Hello, everyone. You're listening to Elisa Unfiltered Living Life Out Loud, the podcast. My name is Elisa Currylowitz, and I am here today speaking from the heart to inspire and motivate you to be your best self. There is so much more to life than the nine to five daily grind, and I want to share all of my secrets with you. So let's get started. podcast fam. How are we doing today? It's a beautiful day. Today it is Wednesday, May the 6th. And you know what? I think my favorite month of the year is May. And you might say that because it's my birthday next week. I mean, everyone loves their birthday month. (laughs) But I just, I love when spring starts to get warm. And that's happening right now in Ottawa. The weather is awesome to run outside. You can still sort of, it's sweater weather, sweater weather. That's a tongue twister. (laughs) And in May, you know, summer is coming. You can just feel it. I can feel it. Also, Mother's Day is coming up. Shout out, it's on the weekend. Shout out to all the moms out there, whether you're a dog mom too, or a stepmom, or uh, a grandma, all the moms, especially mine. Hi mom, I love you, you're the best. Shout out to everyone. But yes, next Tuesday, May the 12th, is my birthday. Woo! How old do you think I'm turning? (laughs) I'm going to tell you. I'm 38 and I'm turning 39. This is my last year in my 30s. And I I, I do have mixed feelings about it. (laughs) I do. But I also just want to touch quickly on the stigma that getting older means you're less than. Like everyone makes such a big deal out of turning 40. 40, oh my God, I'm getting old. But why is old bad? I just, I don't get it. Because age is inevitable. And this is where I'm on the fence, right? Because some days I'm like, holy shit, I'm almost 40. And other days I'm like, holy shit, I'm 40. Woo! You know, it's just the way we... Uh, our belief systems around this and our beliefs around getting older. So why the hell did that stigma begin? Like, why does it mean you're less attractive or less desirable or less capable? Because honestly, I think it's the opposite. I think as I get, as I age, I become wiser and more mature and more reliable and a lot of good things are happening to me. So I just want to give myself, you know, some birthday props today. Yes, it is next week. But, you know, I am grateful to be 38 going on 39. And I want to thank myself for getting to this place that I'm at today. And I want to give myself a huge giant hug because I'm proud of my life. So there, yeah, I said it. I, you know, I'm entering into my prime. This is my prime. My mid, like when I turned 30, I felt a massive shift in my life. Uh, my mid thirties was awesome. I learned a lot. There was a lot of downs, a lot of ups though. Many, like many, many ups. And now I am so, so, so entering the best phase of my life. I can just feel it. I know it gets better. And anyone that's in their forties, their fifties, or, you know, in their late thirties, like myself, you can feel that, you know it. When you're 20, it's like this panic. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong here, but I feel like that's sort of the general thing. Oh my God, I'm getting older. (laughs) And then all of a sudden you've arrived and you're here and it's just every day. So let's take a second here and honor ourselves. I just did it. You can do it too. You can press pause if you want. 
give yourself a compliment. You are working hard and you are doing great things and you're doing the work. Heck, if you're listening to this show right now, then you are definitely on the right track and becoming wiser and filling your own cup with positive insight. This is the work. This is great. So I and I want to thank you. You should thank yourself for something that you've done today, this week, this year. It doesn't matter. Let's let's, let's do some gratitude together, okay? Do it. <laughs> And, I, I, and I'm thanking you right now for tuning in to another episode of Elisa Unfiltered. And for everyone that subscribed and left a review on Apple Podcast, thank you. For anyone who shared this on their social media, thank you. These are super positive ways to share the love and I appreciate every single one of you for doing that. It means so much. With all that being said, let's get into today's show because today I have a really great guest for you. I believe that in order to change your story and change your life, you need a certain level of awareness. I talk about this often. And you also need to be able to observe yourself. In other words, you need to know how your thoughts and how you are thinking contributes to your behavior, habits, fears, and emotions, all of the things. How does your thoughts do that? You have, if you are unaware that you are the one in control of everything all the time. That's okay. It's not bad. It just means that maybe you're not, this isn't the right timing for you to make a shift, but it will be, okay? The first step is awareness. Another word for that is mindfulness. And today, my guest, Samara Zelnicker, is here to teach us and help us understand this a lot better. Okay, Samara Zelnicker is dedicated to helping leaders reach their infinite potential. With over a decade of experience teaching yoga, meditation, and mindfulness, her focus lies in applying these age-old concepts to modern day life. Age-old concepts. We are learning this. Older is wiser. <laughs> Samara is an SIY certified teacher, which is a leadership and development program born at Google. She's a certified coach through the Institution of Integrative Nutrition and has been featured as a leadership expert in Forbes and Business Insider. Samara is a native to Montreal, Canada, and now lives in Los Angeles, California. She is one of my favorite inspo go-to influencers on Instagram at, at @mindfulnessmatters, and I'm looking forward to sharing her wisdom with you today. I hope you're looking forward to it as well. Are you ready? Here we go. All right. Hi, Samira. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Thanks so much for having me. Very cool. So how are how are you doing right now with this whole COVID thing, staying at home? How's your how how are you? <laughs> yeah, well, totally loaded question, obviously, because it's like <laughs> seasonal. It depends what time of the day you ask me. No, I think in general it's been pretty good. I mean, I think we're like on end of month two right now. And yeah. I think at the beginning it was novel and exciting. And my boyfriend, we're both working from home together and it was nice to sort of slow down and do, you know, at home workouts and all that stuff. And, and it was also, um, you know, I was able to work with a lot of my clients, you know, that, that I was already working with to help them yeah. kind of come back to a more mindful approach and perspective to everything that was going on. So that felt really, really great and felt like kind of normal and status quo. And then I decided, you know, that I wanted to work on some behind the scenes stuff. So we've been 
working on a website redesign and relaunch and all that. So that's been great. And now I'm kind of like, okay, I'm ready to hang out with people. Yeah. I'm ready to like go to my coffee shop and my co-working space and see family and travel and all that stuff. So, you know, it was like full steam ahead. The first two weeks I actually, you know, virtually offered a lot of one-on-one 30 minute calls to people who may be struggling, uh, which was great, but also kind of burnt me out a little bit. And then I mm. shifted to some behind the scenes stuff. And then again, like I don't like to work all day, every day. But when you're sitting in front of your screen, you kind of inevitably end up doing that. Or me, for me, work is really a combination of like both connecting with people and then also doing, you know, the the computer work or or all that stuff. So, you know, I think the last two weeks have been a little bit more challenging because I'm I'm ready for it to be over, if Mm -hmm. you want to even call it that. But um, but now I woke up today and feel great. So that's what I mean. It's like been a, been a roller coaster, mostly good and feeling grateful to be healthy and, and in good spirits, um, compared to some people, but otherwise, uh, there's been good and bad. I've definitely been on the roller coaster too. And I'm looking at you right now. We're on videos, uh, Skype and you, you're, you live in LA. It looks like such a beautiful day behind you. <laughs> um, I'm in Ottawa and it is cold today it is um you say the seasons depending on what time of day it is here in Ottawa we're getting all four seasons one every day it's crazy it snowed like three days ago and then it was 20 degrees the next day unbelievable (laughs) well it's things like that that you forget right like it's just this has become the new normal for me but I lived in Canada for 20 plus years I mean longer 30 years um and I just couldn't wait to get out of the cold, right? So now it's yeah. like, oh, yeah, you're right. Got to set up an outdoor desk, and one of my arms is tan because that one gets in the sun. <laughs> and I have, you know, the trees and plants surrounding me, which is really, really has been intentional um, to create. But, yeah, thank you for reminding me that that, um, that that is something that I get to experience. So I really want to kind of use that to segue into – one of my first questions, because you're such an interesting person with a really positive and interesting um, message. I wanted to ask you, how did you become the person you are today? Like, what's the journey that you've been taking? Hmm, Thank you. That's so nice of you to say. Uh, How did I become the person that I am today? Well, you know, I think it starts always, everything always starts from our childhood, which is a lot of the work I do with my clients too, I'm like, all right, why are you this way? Let's go way back. Right. So like what limiting beliefs and stories you're telling yourself. So I did the same thing really in the first yoga teacher training that I ever did, which again, I kind of fell into, I never thought that I would be a yoga teacher, but where was your teacher training? Just, I did it in, um, just outside of Kingston. So like in between Montreal and Toronto. Yeah. And, uh, it was like a place called Wolf Island and I did it through power yoga Canada. I love Wolf Island. I did my 200 hours in Ottawa, but I've heard they have a really cool facility there. Sorry to cut you off. Okay, continue. They do. It was amazing. It was so awesome. And it was really by fluke. I was actually supposed to move to LA that summer and had to deal with all the visa stuff, being Canadian. And I ended up moving. um, I ended up doing the yoga teacher training instead after like breaking my foot and it just all really happened serendipitously. And I think at that point, you know, I had always questioned the status quo. You know, I think that I always 
was left of center, if we want to call it that. Like I thought a little bit differently. I didn't, never imagined kind of living in the same place that I, you know, grew up for the for my whole life. Things that made my friends happy weren't like I always kind of had this wanderlust or desire for more. Which you know, whether that's good or bad, I don't think it's either. But you know, sometimes it's easier to just kind of take the path more traveled, whereas it's harder to take the path less traveled. But that was my journey, and um, it was really through that first yoga teacher training where. I started, I was almost like given like a new handbook, right? So like I had been following one handbook for life of what I thought and how I grew up. And then I shifted into, well, wow, I don't actually have to follow that way of life. And it it opened my eyes to asking myself different questions. And it started to shift my perspective on really what was possible, um, which is, you know, that you can create really whatever you want and it really just takes one person to sort of step outside or color outside the lines to know that it's possible so I think equipped with that knowledge and equipped with the understanding that things could be the way that I wanted them to as opposed to the way like they had to be or they should be or the way other people I knew were doing it it um it it opened something up and that was again my first like introduction into a more mindful way of living and just the opportunity to really like ask questions. And, um, that was awesome. It was really, really incredible. And I think that taking that school of thought back to, you know, the way I was brought up and ingrained that it's kind of what has navigated my path being, you know, entrepreneurial and business savvy, but then also really being philosophical and spiritual and tapping into, another like element of truth or a higher power if we want to call it that Mm -hmm. has been what's helped shape me to have the beliefs that I do so did you have like I know you kind of you said your yoga teacher training was like a pivotal point or turning point would you say yeah uh was it like a an aha moment like an awakening that you had or did it kind of take some time to settle in and understand that there is more than the knowledge that we have? It was both, right? So I think it was very much an aha moment when I was introduced to these concepts. Because yeah. it was, you know, I call it like, you know, the path of the conscious. So it's like you go from being asleep to awake. Mm-hmm. And so when I started waking up, I was super resistant to it at first, right? Because really? like, we like, we know, we know what we know, we like what we like, it's easy to stay comfortable. And so I was really resistant to it as for, at first. But the fact, you know, what we resist persists. So the fact that there was resistance meant that there was work to be done around it. And so I continued to explore that path. So it was like the aha moment and then it needed to marinate. And the more that it marinated, the more I started to explore it. And then I went down, you know, um, I, six months later, I did something called Africa yoga project where I went to Nairobi, Kenya and helped train 150 people from all over, both Africa and North America to be yoga teachers. And for me, that was another huge aha moment and catalyst Mm. because we were training these people from Africa to be thought leaders, to be leaders really. And Mm -hmm. it was through this practice and it, and I really felt like, wow, these people are stepping up and becoming leaders in their community through this practice of mindfulness, yoga, spirituality. And if they can do it, so can we, right? Because Mm -hmm. these people come from nothing and they have nothing, but they're, it's their minds that's setting them apart and helping them rise. And so people in North America that may be more fortunate than that, there really should be nothing stopping us. And it, it, it really helped me understand that it's, 
we have the power to develop that. It doesn't really matter um, your education level, your socioeconomic status, your race, you know, like you have, we have, we all have the power to access these tools. And so, um, so it was both, it was both an aha moment. And then also like allowing the process to marinate and there's always more aha moments. I think when you're on that growth path, it never ends, you know, and then there's times where you're like, ah, I wish I didn't know that. Okay. I have to go and explore that now and grow in that area. Right. So it's, it's, um, it's all a process. It's, I love people's stories of how, when they woke up of it, I, I don't know why, but it's one of my most fascinating questions that I ask as many guests as possible. Like, what was the moment? What was the turning point? Because everyone kind of has a little bit of a different journey or a little bit of a different, I don't know, awakening, if you will. Mine was I was looking in the mirror one day. And I was like, Oh, my God, <laughs> what the hell am I doing? So thank you for that. I think there's it's one thing to have these things happen within us but also another thing to teach it especially to a different culture who have a completely different upbringing that must have been really interesting yeah and it also helped me realize that people are people are people and that we're all way more similar than we are different Mm. and I think that we put up like these defenses of like um separateness when ultimately the more we see similarities the more like we can create cohesiveness in the world it's so true. I mean, travel has done that for me a lot, going to different countries. I try and travel to two to three countries a year, and I love it. I love being submersed into the culture, and it really, really does um, create a more unified perspective of humanity. It's very cool. Yeah, oh my God, you learn so much from traveling. I think that's also why I'm feeling a little cooped up, right? Because I'm like, oh, you know, it's like a playground. <laughs> you get to go out and travel. And it can even just be like going to different parts of your city, right? It doesn't have to necessarily be jumping on a plane mm-hmm. and just experiencing different kinds of people. And I think that, you know, I'm unique in that way that I'm really, really curious about people and like their humanity and what makes people similar and what makes us different also and so um you know I think that being curious about that like there's so much to learn all oh yeah the time. so much to learn well that I feel like this is a time where a lot of people are learning and possibly becoming a little bit more spiritual or having their own awakenings in such a, a unique environment being at home mm-hmm. so have you spoken to clients or do you it within your experience are you noticing or are people asking questions of a shift right now to you looking for advice yeah you know what I think that what I've really um recognized and learned in this process just even with working with my clients who you know part of the work that we do you know and I work with a lot of men and women in leadership and it's about how do we develop like stronger leadership qualities but how do we also like help us get out of our own way, right? Because we're always learning and growing. There's always Mm -hmm. opportunities for that. And like the human condition is that like our default mode network is that where our mind is going to wander and it's going to, you know, get into a spiral of comparison or what's not working or like, you know, so we shift it as like, how can we shift our brain to be thinking more of like abundance over lack or what we do have versus what we don't. And, um, And so I found that, you know, the first initial calls that I had with clients was like kind of that panic, despair, fear. And then we were able to really shift that into opportunity and growth. And so that is like kind of the crux of the work that I do is like you can always change your reality based on your perception. And so it's been really cool to see that in 
in the work that I'm doing right now, it's like massively uh, fulfilling and mm-hmm. yeah, and 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 really cool and really really cool. And it again is not something that like is unique to one specific person or to a leader or to whatever. I think it's something that people can really access no matter what. And, um, and I think that like on a bigger kind of universal scale, there is totally a shift that's coming. I think that, you know, there's obviously a big shift from in businesses to things going virtual. Um, I think that energetically there's a shift to like recognizing that we are more similar than we are different. Right. Because like, this is a situation that's grounded all of us. That's a situation that's like, no one was immune to, you know, and I don't, I don't know the last time we've all been globally affected in this way. So I think that there's, there's a specialness to that in a way. It's really interesting. You said that you, at the beginning, you felt it was a nice, it was nice to slow down and change your pace a little bit. I find for me almost the exact opposite. Like my awakening has come into the importance I put on being busy. And now that busyness is almost irrelevant, it's, it doesn't have as much relevancy at this point. I feel as though I'm a little bit um, purposeless. I didn't realize how much I I'd put into filling my day and and the go 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 and glamorized uh, that side of me. And I I have a lot of friends who have we've been having some really cool discussions about that same thing. The pace changes affected me super negatively almost at a physical level now, um, emotional and mental, all of the, all of the, the men, uh, the levels, the subtle bodies. Yeah. However, my awareness practice, I call it an awareness practice. The practice of observing my thoughts and where they're coming from has very much strengthened. And that's almost my grounding tool. That's what I teach often is the practice of awareness and how to become aware. Now, you are, I, I like the word mindfulness. I, fi- I feel like it's the exact same thing in many levels. But I wanted to ask you, what is mindfulness to you? So the idea of mindfulness is like the, you know, like you said, the, uh, the ability to be aware and to notice, you know. Mm-hmm. And so it's not putting labels on things of being right or wrong, good or bad. But it's just like noticing your emotional responses to things. And instead of jumping into reactivity, okay, you know, I know when... I have a conversation with this person. My normal reaction is to yell and get angry. There's a pause. So there's a space between stimulus and response. There's a space between your emotion and your reaction. And instead of going on that autopilot reactivity mode, you're able to respond in a different way. And that can look different across the board. That can be like, okay, you know what? I actually need to take a 15 minute walk right now before we continue this conversation. Or I actually need to, um, you know, explore this a little bit further uh, and journaling, or it could look like taking three breaths and having a different response than you normally would have, but it's choosing your response instead of just having it happen. Mm -hmm. And so it's that really that space, like that's how I define mindfulness is the space between our thoughts and our emotions. Oh, I love that a lot. I mean, you could, you could choose to explode and become a dragon as well. (laughs) And engage in a fight. <laughs> yeah. And that could, and like, again, that may be the choice that you make. And there's nothing wrong with that. But again, it's a choice. Like, oh, no, I'm going to choose to go down this 
route right now that ends up in like, you know, blowout fight and maybe ruining the rest of the day or whatever. But it's like, you can consciously make that choice. And what happens is when you're bringing an awareness to it and you're choosing and you're choosing and you're choosing, then like, you know, nine, maybe after doing that 10 times, the 11th time, you're going to be like, eh. I don't really want to get into that fight again. I'm not going to choose that. What if I choose mm-hmm. something different, right? What if I choose to zoom out and look at things from a different perspective? What if I choose to hear this person out? Or what if I choose to not go down that comparison spiral? Or what if I choose the apple instead? Or, you know, like it can be applied to really every aspect of our lives. And um, and with awareness is, is always the first step. You know, when we become aware of things, then it leads to like different or inspired action, right? Because like when you know you're doing something that's not serving you or you know you're doing something that like doesn't feel good, then, you know, ultimately the more you become aware, the less you're going to do it. Mm-hmm. It's that first shift of like waking up that. Yes, yes, of course. Now the ego plays a little bit of a role in this because like, when I was first waking up, I did have that groundbreaking aha moment, but then I was pretending that I had awareness for a long time. Like I was pretending that I was being mindful, but I was really just convincing myself to not do the work. I, I don't know. This co- comes up in conversation often where people are like, oh yeah, I'm totally aware. And it's like, oh yeah, okay, cool. I'm not going to judge you. I don't know what's going on in your brain, but there's no work being done or practices in place. And that was a, that was another kind of shift for me was like, oh, well, I'm actually not doing anything to practice this. So I, I did actively start to meditate and to breathe and to journal and write down my thoughts and my beliefs. And I did that for a really, really long time. And I paid a lot of attention. I couldn't change the outcome at the time. Like I couldn't change my behavior yet. It took me years. I'm going to say over a year to be able to actually utilize the pause in a positive way. And I know some people it can happen immediately, but I just find it really interesting. Some people it takes even longer. Some people right? it takes longer. I'm just I'm really curious to ask you, like, how does the ego play in mindfulness in your expertise? Well, back to your point, you know, so often when we discover this stuff, it may be twenties, thirties, forties, fifties, sixties, seventies, right? It yeah. could be at any age of sure. our life. And some people don't ever discover it, and some people have a different path in this lifetime, and that's not for them. But so I always for myself and then talk to my clients about this and, and you know, they'll be like, Okay, well, I feel like I took one step forward and then two steps back. I'm like, dude, you spent thirty plus years building neural pathways in your brain mm-hmm. that cause you to, you know, be reactive or cause that pattern or that autopilot activity or that spiral or that whatever, you know, like that mm-hmm. your brain doesn't know. It's just like, oh, that's easy. And I want to get from point A to point B in the quickest way possible. So mm-hmm. I'm going to choose that route. And then you're saying like all of a sudden overnight, you want to like choose a different route and create a new neural pathway. No, it's going to take time. Right. So like, whether it's a year, whether it's two years, whether it's three years, by the way, the journey is never over. We're always on a growth path. And I think once you wake up, you realize that it's like, oh, there's always more to learn. I'm changing and evolving every single year, which is yeah. really exciting. Um, but it's but it's what you mentioned about those tools of like, okay, well, what are my tools that help me, right? So if you were to go and play tennis for the first time, you wouldn't expect to pick up the racket and be like, you know, Andre Agassi. And I'm saying that because I just read his <laughs> book. Like, first he, a legend. Like, you know, 
shooting amazing balls over the net, like you would know that you have to practice. Like, yeah. And the where you practice kind of the better you get at it. Right. And so people with, because like meditation and mindfulness are intangible tools that we can't really measure as much as we can, you know, maybe becoming a great tennis player, people think like, oh, well, I should just be able to meditate or I should just like easily yeah. be really zen or I should just easily like be happy all the time or I should easily not be on, have autopilot traits or be distracted. It's like, well, of course not. That's like setting yourself up for failure. So that's again, that's like to circle back to your question, the ego coming in and that's the ego being like, oh, well, you should, 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 should. So one of the first things I do with my clients is like, okay, how, where can we replace could with should right like nothing should be a certain way it could be so let's take the pressure off let's step into possibility instead of like what's not working and Mm -hmm. and kind of go from there I really like that so is that part of the work for you is like changing the conversation even changing words Absolutely. Yeah. I think words hold so much weight both for ourselves and then to other people because we're constantly telling other people how we want them to treat us. And so if, you know, you're self-deprecating or if you're a pleaser or if you're avoidant or, you know, like that's really shown both through words and through actions. I mean, 80% of communication is nonverbal. So there's part of that as well. But I think that when you, it starts with your thoughts. So when you change your thoughts, then like you change your actions, your words change and it's all connected Mm -hmm. and it really starts foundationally at how you're thinking about things and, and you can't change your thoughts and then not change your words, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So, but it's hard to do it on your own. I mean, I personally didn't, I have a spiritual coach I've been working with for like 10 years, but really every, every two weeks for the last six years. And we've been working a lot together. Uh, I was afraid and resistant to ask for help. It made me feel like I was a failure. And I, I know that there's people out there that feel the same way. That Why is it so difficult to make that first step and acknowledge that this doesn't, you don't have to do this alone? So why is it so hard to do this on your own? Or why is it so hard to like hire a coach? Like what, what do you mean specifically? Mm, why is it hard to ask for help and accept help? Well, you know, I think that with mental health in the past, there's been a stigma associated with it, right? Mm-hmm. So whether that's therapy or coaching or, you know, whatever kind of mental exercise you're engaging in. Maybe in the past there's been a stigma around it and it hasn't been as common as it is in today's age, which I think in this generation it is like fitness for your inner witness, right? So similar (laughs) to how you would maybe go to the gym, that would be like getting, you know, a meditation membership or you would hire a trainer that would be like hiring a coach. And so I think that just like, the more and more common it becomes, the more acceptable it becomes, and the more people really understand the value in all of it. So I think that's first and foremost. I think, you know, why is it so hard to ask for help? I think a lot of the times we don't know we need it. Mm. So I think that, again, with mental health being something that we speak about more and more now, it previously wasn't spoken about. And so if you're feeling sad or distracted or anxious or depressed it's like you know we all need to have access to all of these emotions but it's like how how much is 
normal, if you want to call it. Like, I don't know that there was really conversations around that. So you can just kind of think like, oh, well, that's just how it should be. You know, I know when I was working in fashion, I was being groomed to take over the company and had this successful job for me outside, but I really wasn't happy. And I knew that I wasn't happy, but I didn't know what I can do to have that level of fulfillment. And that was prior to going into this yoga teacher training that really opened up my eyes to like what else was possible. So I think that people just like also don't know, like they don't know. They're like, all right, well, this is just how it should be when ultimately I don't think that anyone should not be living a happy, fulfilled life. And by living a happy, fulfilled life, that doesn't mean that you have to be happy all the time. I actually think that that's like, not real either like we need to feel a full spectrum of emotions because that's what it is to be human mm-hmm. however when we have better understanding of ourselves more self-awareness and we can manage them better and again when we are able to like create awareness and management then that leads to action and you know creates a happier life I wanted to talk to you a little bit you touched on the neuroscience between the pathways because this is like really cool stuff I really think that's cool. And one of the things that I didn't know prior to all of this um, is that I had to retrain my my brain, like the actual connective, connecting the dots in my brain. I had no idea that that was a thing. Can you speak to that a little bit more? You work, I, I read somewhere that you work and practice in neuroscience in some degree. Yeah, so, you know, I, I think that being again, kind of being raised in an entrepreneurial family and being in the business world and having grown up with an emphasis on like the left side of my brain, which was more tactical, you know, getting stuff done that since shifting into like a wellness space or more spiritual, more creative, I think that having the science backed is just like equipping you with more information. And now that the science is catching up with the spiritual side it's yeah. really cool and awesome and so I'm not a neuroscientist but I am a geek and love exploring uh, that element of things and you know it, it really comes down to different parts of our brain so you know we have our prefrontal cortex that is in charge of rational thought and decision making and logical thinking and we have our amygdala which is the part of our brain that's responsible for threats and opportunities is kind of like the alarm system of our brain so if something happens you know and this our brains have a change since we were cavemen right so thousands of years ago something happens you're getting chased by a saber-toothed tiger your amygdala your amygdala goes off you, there's a threat you gotta run you know your system is in Um, goes from parasympathetic, which is rest and digest, to sympathetic, which is fight or flight. And that like boosts your adrenaline, boosts your cortisol, boosts your ability to run fast and to get away from this predator. Now cut to, you know, 2020 modern day, we can also hear that beep notification. We got an email from our boss. Same reaction happens, right? Oh no, I did. Or shit, I forgot to send that email. Or, you know, I got into a fight with a partner, right? And that same response system happens where we go into overdrive, where we go into fight or flight, where our adrenaline spikes up, where our cortisol spikes up, where we kind of block off our. So, what happens is because we're putting all of our energy into survival mode, um, we end up blocking off our access to rational thinking, to decision making, to our prefrontal cortex. And so, 
that's happening several times throughout the day, right? It's that same system that's getting activated. However, when we get an email from our boss about something we forgot to do, it's not a life or death situation, but that's the way we're responding. And so a mindfulness practice helps us recognize that. It helps to create a pathway from your amygdala to your prefrontal cortex so those two parts of your brain could speak to each other more clearly as opposed to it just shutting down, shutting off, us going straight into reactivity, us going straight into survival mode. It's like, okay, stop. There's a pause. We can actually talk to each other. We can understand that like this isn't a life or death threat, right? And we can actually respond differently. And so it's just, you know, some of the it's just a different way of looking at it from like a more science backed approach that helps you recognize like, wow, like I can actually create this um, pathway mm-hmm. so that I don't go into fight or flight and, and drive myself crazy or freak out about something that isn't worth freaking out over. Yeah. Or Okay. So when we're freaking out, because this is happening uh, more and more uh, these days with COVID-19 going on, I like when you you brought up the word rational thinking. I mean, sometimes I go through these crazy phases of intense irrational thinking. And it it takes like a cue for me to snap out of that almost and understand that I'm in the story. So that's like actually happening in my brain. My rational, are are you saying that me thinking irrationally is just a response in my brain? Yeah. So it's not actually me. It's just a pattern. Exactly. Interesting. Interesting. So for me, when I have become aware that my thoughts are completely irrational, I mean, I go to some really crazy places <laughs> these days. Mm-hmm. I kind of snap out of it um, through breathing and through just like actually saying, that's enough. Like stop and like changing like I'll stand up instead of sitting down or I'll move to another room or just like get out of that situation as best as I can and then kind of calm down. <laughs> um, are there, are there tools that you can give? What are well, your, what are your favorite tools? It's like using tools when you're getting to that place. So yeah. Sometimes it's just like recognizing like, all right, this is a pattern, right? So just even being equipped with that knowledge and that doesn't mean it's going to prevent you from going down the rabbit hole, Yeah. but it's like allowing yourself a, to do that. And, and then like not sending an email or stepping away from a phone call or, yeah. you know, just kind of creating actual physical space between you and what you're doing. If it's something that's happening in your mind breath is amazing so it's it's like you can take three breaths I I like a a micro practice that's like taking a breath in and a breath out first just noticing your mind okay what's my mind focused on can I Mm -hmm. bring it back here to my breath then checking in with your body okay where is my body physically right now can I come back into this moment and then just simply asking yourself the question what's important now right what's important now what's important now in this moment So it can be something like that, that even if you're in the midst of a conversation, you can do, if you're by yourself, obviously you can do movement. So like, obviously yoga, it's a a major amazing practice to get you out of your head and into your body, Mm -hmm. but it can also be just like getting up and like shifting and moving the energy through. Cause sometimes it's just like stuck energy, right. Mm -hmm. That you're experiencing. So it's like, you know, maybe this is doing like 10 jumping jacks or it's, you know, moving around your arms and your legs and sticking out your tongue. Maybe it's like yelling and getting all that energy out. You know, mantra work is great. Like you said, like that's enough, right? Um, Another practice is like a a presence practice that I like to use is like if you're noticing that your mind is wandering and it's 
going to all areas. It's coming back and naming five things that are actually really happening in this moment, right? So if that was happening to me right now, I'd say, okay, well, we're recording this podcast. I'm sitting on a chair. I can hear the birds chirping. You know, there's a pillow underneath me and I'm looking at you, Mm -hmm. right? So like coming back to what's actually happening in this moment is also really helpful because what you're doing is you're training your brain to come back to the present. And then the way we're training our brain, it's similar to like doing a bicep curl, right? So it's like, you know, the more you do bicep curls, the stronger you become, right? And the more you develop sort of like stronger arms as a result. And it's similar to like, hey, can I bring my awareness back to this moment? Can I bring my awareness back to this breath? And so it's a a practice. And the more you're coming back, Mm -hmm. the stronger it becomes and it, the easier it becomes to do to a point where it becomes a habit and it's not like your, your mind starts to wander less. Yeah, I love that. Okay, so these types of... So you... Do you work... I saw on your website you work with love and relationships. I do, yeah. So I developed a program about a year ago, I would say, a little over a year ago. Um, it's a six-week group coaching program and I work it turned out that it was mostly women. It was all women in the program. And I work with people on, again, getting out of their own way. Cause a lot of people who I was working with also were dealing with like relationship issues. And so mm-hmm. I wanted to create a program where again, people didn't feel alone. Mm-hmm. That's why I did it as a group. Um, because I think the girls also like learn so much from each other. Yeah. I have them, I pair them up into buddies. So like, not only do we have our work that we're doing, they also have buddies in the program to help keep each other accountable because there's like kind of homework each week that they go in and do. Um, and again, there's like a lot of trends that I see in how people operate that, blocks them from the things that they want and I really built that off of my own experience because I started to see you know when I started doing work on myself in this area around love and relationships I started seeing like subconscious trends that I was engaging in and Mm -hmm. that you know I'll call them my blind spots which I was really unaware of that I was doing to attract in the wrong person or to push Mm -hmm. away the right person or etc etc so it really um was rooted in my own experience and I think that's what a lot of this stuff is rooted in for me and I know a lot of my clients really appreciate that you know that they're like okay you've been on this path you're just kind of 10 years ahead of us right and I I believe that with this information like it's not proprietary it's not something I own you know there's Buddhist teachers or tons of like amazing spiritual leaders in the world that have been teaching this stuff for years. However, you know, once you know it, or I feel this way, once you know it, like you have to share it, right? Because the more people who are living in alignment and the more people who are equipped with this knowledge and understand how to like get back onto the path, right? Like the better the world's going to be. And it creates a ripple effect, which is why now I've shifted. I I mean, along with doing all the other work, I'm doing it with organizations and, and, companies as well because I'm like oh we build this within an organization and a culture yeah and then that becomes the group think of the organization it's so powerful and like then they go home and they tell you know they touch their families I always I talk about it as like sort of leading by example um and it, it gives other people permission to operate from that place as well so with COVID with this self-isolation thing there is you know, millions of people have lost their jobs that are now at home. Some are in complete isolation without any friends or family to hug and kiss and love and be with, which I, I think is, is in, that might be the hardest position in my opinion. But then there's also 
couples who now have to work at home together and take care of their kids. There's a lot of stress happening in that regard. I mean, there are like go-getter A-type personalities that have to completely change their pace. There's, you know, go with the flowers. There's nine to fivers. There's all these different types of people and their personalities that are now stuck at home and relationships are being tested (laughs) and people are questioning their love for themselves and for their partners and for their kids. Can you give some recommendations or can you, what's your biggest tip for that? So for someone who's really struggling in their relationship right now, well, I would say first and foremost is just kind of letting yourself off the hook. You know, it's like, mm. this is a really unprecedented time for everyone. No one's yeah. gone through this ever before. There's no roadmap. And some days are going to be great. And maybe you like get along so well with your partner and you like cook a new recipe together or whatever. Yeah. And your kids are little angels. And then the next day you're like, oh my God, you know, like, can everyone <laughs> just leave? I can't handle this anymore. Mm-hmm. I want a divorce. I want to like, you know, get rid of my kids, whatever, you know? And so I think that that's just the nature of all of this. So it's like, can you let yourself off the hook in the sense of like, things don't have to be perfect, even though that's like, doesn't exist. Like they don't have to be some version of it. It's just about like really taking things as they come and really taking things as they come. Right. How do you, how do you let yourself off the hook though? Because like, I mean, I have to say that is, um, something that I'm working on because I, I had, had to almost grieve the, my life (laughs) or the way I used to do things. I have to go through the stages of grief. And then once I got to that forgiveness stage and then the acceptance stage, I was like, oh, I'm okay with this now. Now I can give myself some compassion or hold more compassion for my, my hard days. Like, how do you go? How do you do that? You brought such a great point of grieving, right? Like, it's like, we do kind of have to grieve what once was. And I think that that even just like shows like your growth on your path, right? Of like, okay, instead of like, imagining that things are going to be a certain way, or we want them to go back to a certain way, it's, it's actually acknowledging that they're different. We don't know when they're going to go back or if they ever will, but it's acknowledging that things have been, Mm -hmm. that things have changed. And it's like grieving maybe what you had, you know, because they were taken away without your permission, without your choice. But ultimately, that's a reminder that that's life. Things are going to happen beyond your control all the time. And you really can't control anything except for your mind. That's like really the only thing that we can control. That's the only, 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 only thing we can control. So instead of looking outside, which is what our culture is really predicated on is like, okay, I'm going to shop more. I'm going to eat more. I'm going to do more. I'm going to watch more. It's like, okay, how can we turn all of that energy inward? And it may be fucking hard Mm -hmm. and it may be really uncomfortable. Like chances are it will, especially if it's something that you've been putting off for a long time, but it's going to reveal a lot. And so what I've been, you know, really for my own process and and the people that I've been speaking to and working with is like, it's a really illuminating time, right? Again, call that good or bad. What do you mean by that? Yeah. I mean that it's shining a light on a lot of things, Mm. right? So with more time, with less ability to fill or busy or do, it's shining a light on like, Hey, like, are these patterns that I've been operating subconsciously or unconsciously on for the past 20 years and are they still working Mm -hmm. you know and if not can I 
rewire them. Like now is a really great time. Um, is my relationship still working or is it something that I've just sort of been in because it's been easy? Mm-hmm. You know? Uh, so it, it's the opportunity to really question all of these things. And by the way, um, you know, the tools that you can access to do this are time and space, right? And so with time and space, we have time to think, we have time to meditate, we have time to journal, uh, we have time to move our bodies and, and not everyone. Cause obviously people have kids, but it's also like teach this to your kids from a young age. Like this is something that I really believe should be taught in schools all the time. And I we're starting kind of, to, you know, mm. adopt that more and more and more, but you know, teach your kids that, and, you know, enroll your kids in this, in creating this vision, and understanding it's it's the frame of mind and the perception that everything's happening for you, not to you. Like there's mm-hmm. always something to learn, right? So mm-hmm. like anything that's happening, even if it's like gut-wrenching and horrible and hard and the most challenging thing, it's like everything is a lesson or a blessing, right? And so when we can operate from that mentality, which you constantly need to remind yourself of, there's, there's always going to be opportunities there. So it's like we grow or we die is really how I look at things and if you're staying stuck and maybe you've stayed stuck in a certain way of thinking in a certain job in the same pattern, in the same relationship and in a relationship to yourself for years, now's an opportunity and, and time and space to like shift and change that whether you wanted to or not, it's here. So you might as well take advantage of it. Absolutely. Like there is some, some growth. And I, I want to ask you one last question here about growth, because for me, when I was growing, I didn't realize that that's what I was doing. I would, it was so, it was a feeling, it was an experience that I've never done before that I had never, the, going through these motions, like stopping and taking a breath, taking pause, physically taking thoughts out of my head with my hand, <laughs> you know, like I'd done some crazy shit, writing down affirmations, journaling, those types of things. They don't feel like work. They don't feel like I'm getting better or I'm becoming spiritual. But then one day uh, someone triggers me and I respond differently. And I'm like, oh, that's that. That's what it's like. So what does it feel like to be using space and time in a, I don't know, positive way? Well, I love that question and I love that personal reference too because I think sometimes the spirituality or like leadership development, you're like, well, wait, like I can't measure this. I don't understand. I'm doing this over and over and I it feels really frustrating. So I think that you sharing that, I'm sure a lot of your listeners will be able to relate and like most people can because they're like, oh, I can't tangibly see the results, right? You go to the yeah. gym or you go, you know, you're like, oh yeah, okay. After like three months, I can see this. And so, you know, I would say ultimately it comes down to consistency. It's like continuing to do it. And it's like the same with anything. It's like practicing a sport. It's like you show up, you show up, you show up, you show up. And then like one day it just clicks and it falls into place, you know, or you learn a new language and you're like, oh, this feels so hard. And then like all of a sudden, like a year later, you're listening to a TV show and you're like not looking up any translations, you know, or things like that. So I think that, you know, it's, it's tuning into things like this and, and connecting with people who are on the path just a little bit further along to know that it's even possible and that it does exist. I mean, there's, this is a huge industry, but like, again, cultures are built on this. Like religions are like, there's so many people in the world that are talking about spirituality and develop and leadership development and growth. And so it's like knowing, listen, like you have a choice, right. And like, you can stay stuck or unhappy or, you know, wherever you are, like you can choose Mm -hmm. to pick that, like Mm -hmm. no one's going to stop you from that. Or you can choose something different. You can choose something 
that's going to help you live your life to your fullest potential. And that's going to help you sort of maximize that. And then like, to me, that's such an empowering feeling of like, wow, I can choose to do that. And like nothing worth it is ever easy. That doesn't mean it's going to come in two seconds. Yeah. It's going to, but it's like knowing, you know, it's, it's like picking mentors, picking people that inspire you, picking people who are again, like on the path up further along of like, okay, I know that this is possible. Right. And then Mm -hmm. in that process, it's also being kind to yourself, right? Like, Hey, it's not going to happen overnight and it's going to be continuous and it's going to be hard. And it's also going to be amazing. So I think it's all, all of that. Love it. I love it. Okay. I've, we've got so many amazing things to ponder, uh, through this podcast. You have, you're just a giant ball of mindfulness expertise and it's amazing. I love it. (laughs) I feel so inspired right now myself. I'm like, yes, (laughs) I'm going to continue to work on myself. (laughs) You know what? It's like, it's like anything else, you know, it's like you need to surround yourself with, like, I would say, you know, if you're, listeners are on Instagram. It's like unfollow anyone who doesn't make you feel good. Follow people who do. And then also like make sure you're taking digital detoxes regularly, you know, Mm -hmm. like surround yourself with people who are inspiring you. If, if right now, obviously we're not really surrounding ourselves by most people, but it's like, okay, what are you reading? What are you watching? What are you consuming as content? What are you listening to? You know, like kind of make sure that it's in line. Yeah. And I don't, success isn't the right word, but like to have you, be motivated to stay on this path right and then like also to know like anyone who tells you that it's like sunshine and rainbows and that it's easy like unfollow them no I'm just kidding but like (laughs) you know like it's it's anything worth worth it is challenging and and it when you're on this path it doesn't mean that bad things don't happen to you because that's inevitable like bad things are always going to happen in everybody's life there's going to be both good and bad but it's the way you respond to them that's going to help shift that and so, you know, I know, like, like I said, you know, the past couple of days, I'm like, oh, like, I felt like, just a bit like more struggle than I than I normally do. But I also feel like, okay, and through that, I was able to connect with like deeper emotions and, mm-hmm. you know, had some like stuff be excavated from that. So yeah, I think that it's, if you're choosing love over fear, if you're choosing to stay aligned if you're choosing to grow like it doesn't there's no timeline right it's not like oh it has to be done by this time or I have to measure it by this amount yeah. it's like continuing it's it's really your intuition it's continuing to check in how do I feel how do I feel does this make me feel good does it not like is this serving is it not and like you can do it by metrics too like you can set sort of like three month goal uh like three month check-ins for yourself or one month check-ins with yourself or if you're working with a coach like you said it's like you know I work with my clients every two weeks so it's yeah. just it's um it's about like checking in too. I really like that question. Is this serving me right now? Is this in my highest good to do this? Exactly. I think those are that's really important. I, when you said it, I'm like, yep, that's that's the words I use. Is this serving me? Love it. Yeah. So we're can, can be daily in a journaling practice too, right? That is the hardest thing for me ever is journaling, but I do it. I mean, <laughs> Lord, the Lord only knows how much I journal. <laughs> Okay, so where can we find you? Find me. So I post regularly, like, a few times a week on Instagram mm-hmm. and stories. I've been taking a little bit of a break the past two weeks just because I've, I've personally needed it. But sure. on Instagram, I'm at Mindfulness Matters, and it's a really great way to connect. I love hearing from people. Uh, my website is mindfulnessmatters.ca, and um, 
Yeah, really my website and Instagram are the best ways to connect. And we're launching, and like I mentioned earlier, launching a new site midweek, hopefully this week or by, by the end of the week. So I'm yeah. really, really excited about that. And you can always shoot me an email in regards to coaching or programs or anything else I have going on, or even just to say hello. I love hearing from people. I love that. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, and I will be following. <laughs> I'll be getting your little tidbits and your bites of, uh, of wonderful mindfulness. Um, but yeah, thank you so, so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. This is a treat. <laughs> and have a, have a good, uh, hopefully not too much longer in self-isolation and enjoy that beautiful weather in LA. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> All right. Okay, that's all for today. I want to thank my guest, Samara Zelnicker, for sharing her knowledge about the oh-so-important and impactful topic of mindfulness. You can find out more about Samara at her website at mindfulnessmatters.ca and give her a follow on Instagram at at mindfulnessmatters. All the links will be in the show notes. If you haven't done so yet, please go to Apple Podcasts or Google Play and subscribe, rate, and leave a review. Follow the show on Spotify and share on your social media. Thank you all so much for listening. Have the best day, everyone. Until next time.